hockey. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And it is Judd's Hockey Show. Zolgad and A.J. Fredrickson producing and co-hosting today. Declan off. Happy birthday to Declan. Um, despite speculation that he might be turning 16 or 17, he's actually somewhere in his 30s. So just because he looks young, which there's nothing wrong with that, uh, it does not mean he is as young as you think. But there's still a hockey show to do. Wild last night beats Calgary in a shootout 3-2 to two at the X. They're now 6-2 and two under John Hines. They are now, after being seven points out of a playoff spot when Everson was fired, they are now three points behind the Blues, who were in the second and last wildcard spot in the Western Conference. Uh, there are one, two, three teams ahead of them uh, vying for playoff spots. The Coyotes, who actually are a pretty fun team to watch, age 28 points. The yeah. Oilers, who have been red hot, have won... Um, well, they, they lost, but they are now 8-2 and two in their last 10, 27 points. Calgary, actually, because they got a point in 27 points. Seattle cracking 27 points, but they're 2-6-2 two, and two in their last 10. They've actually won two consecutive games. And then the Wild with 26 points, five clear of the San Jose Sharks. All right, some observations from last night, some talking points. And we've talked about a few of these things previously on the show, but they're worth revisiting uh because of the because of the massive turnaround of this team age i want to start with matthew boldy okay matthew yeah. boldy when dean everson was fired boldy had one goal now he had missed some time because he got he scored a goal in the second game of the season at toronto he got hurt in that game and missed some time but he had played in a slew of games and he had one goal and looked completely lost at that time in the eight games under john hines he now has his goal last night, and this doesn't include a shootout goal. His goal last night to open the game gives him seven goals in eight games, eight goals on the season. And this is the Boldy we all know exists. Yeah. Like I kept I kept seeing when, when he was struggling, I saw, well, you know, he had this type of thing last year too where he just got hot for a little while and then he disappeared. But this is the Boldy that we know exists. and. Here's one thing, and th this goes back to our show that we did on Monday that I like. I think that it's great that John Hines has put Boldy on the top line. Yeah. I think it's outstanding that Boldy is, like, it's clear he's a confidence guy. And and look, lots of players are. But his confidence is sky high right now. But when you went through the highlights of last night's game and – the fact that the puck appears to be right now a magnet on this dude's stick and his goal to open the game, his goal is a nice goal. Yeah. I think the turnaround of Boldy is probably, if not the biggest, it is one of the top two biggest stories with John Hines as far as the confidence that we've seen now and the fact that he is now playing like the power forward we know he can be. And how bad did this team need a turnaround from a guy like Matt Boldy? I mean, with the slow start that Kirill has had, um, somebody had to step up and, you know, you kind of had that waning, oh, is it going to be like a Kevin Fiala where sometimes he's hot, sometimes he's not, he's never going to be that consistent guy. And they make that change. He finds that confidence. He breaks that slump. And I mean, he's, he just hasn't looked back. Like you said, that goal that he had last night to open the scoring, that was a grown man NHL goal. And yeah. you mentioned like the puck just seems to be a magnet to his stick. It's because he's doing the little things. He's not going out there solely with the like the mindset of I'm shooting, I'm scoring, I'm shooting, I'm scoring, I'm skating, I'm shooting. I'm... He's doing the little things, and that's exactly what led to that goal. 
He anticipates the pass up the half wall. He crashes down, gets a body on a body, and then quite literally just shoves a man off the puck. It pinballs a little bit. I'll give him that. But the puck comes to him in dead set right right past uh, uh, Vladar. Dan, what is it? Dan Vladar. Um, Vladar. Vladar, thank you. Um, yeah, no but, yeah, seven in his last eight. He's been scorching hot. Uh, can you imagine if you get Kirill back to 100% and he starts clicking too? I mean, that top line is going to be just pure lethal. Um, and the move up, how about the chemistry between him and Kirill? Right, that's exactly, yes. That That's I'm the biggest thing that is you saw the, you're, you're seeing these guys like back, the backhand no-look passes that Kirill and Zuccarello have been doing. It's cute. But the thing is, now it seems like it's like purposeful. You know, it's not just making the pass for the sake of, oh, I see you over there. Let's try to get it to you. It's I'm giving it to you because you're in a better position rather than me taking the shot here. And that's where I think Matt Boldy is excelling in that top line wing role with Kirill, whereas Zuccarello was maybe taking away. If he knows he has a chance to score, he's going to take it. But if he says, hey, this is low chance, low opportunity, I can get it to you, then he's making that pass. Not the other way around of I'm passing because yours, you're, you know, my my friend, and it's Zuki and Kirill back again, you know? Right. And Zuccarello, to be very clear, has had a good year, okay? So, like, statistically, he's been very good. Yes. This is no put down of him. But the, I love this because, and you just touched on, on it, what drove me crazy was this feeling of, well, Kaprizov has to play with Mats. He's got to play with Zuccarello. Okay. Kirill Kaprizov, and, and we, we can talk about this, is not playing, in my opinion, like a superstar right now. He's a star. Like, like, like we've seen better. But this notion that he had to play, that this chemistry was with one guy, was so silly and so misguided. And if you go to a game and just watch 97, okay? The amount of work he does and the amount of like facilitating, sometimes it's too much, but the amount of facilitating he does, AJ, it's incredible. And this whole thing of, well, if he's not with Zuccarello, what's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. The line that they have right now. And you're right. Matt Boldy is thriving in part because he's playing with a guy who might not always get the points, but does a lot of the work. So like, I love this. I love this. This is why. And I'm not Mr. Juggle lines all the time. Like, I wouldn't do it consistently. I think they found something right now. It eventually won't work as well. They'll break it up, but it's working right now. But this is why the Dean thing drove me crazy, because it's like, you are not wedded to have to play Kirill Kaprizov. And and look, selfishly, if I'm the Wild, if I'm a Wild fan, I would rather see Kaprizov and his work paying off for Boldy than Zuccarello. Boldy's more important. So, like, if it's like, well, Matt Zuccarello's not happy about, okay, first of all, go get your points, Matt's, because you're going to shoot yes. more, probably. Mm-hmm. He, he flat out just should shoot more. But, you know, but go get your points. That's awesome. You've been a nice, beyond the first year, you've been a really nice acquisition. That's awesome. But if you come to me and say, okay, the difference is going to be Kirill, and, uh, Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello can play together. They're going to be happy. They're best buddies, to your point. Or he could play with Boldy, who is going to get a ton of confidence. AJ, that's not even a question for me. I'm putting in with Boldy 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, because you're seeing the payoff of what Matt Boldy is when he's confident. It, it, I mean, he... It's a different player. And to be, to be clear, to kind of backtrack my statements, yes, I Matt Zuccarello is not having a bad season by any means. I, I think there's nitpicky things because of just the position that he was put in. Right. 
for instance, I do want to see him shoot more. And then about Kirill, I, he's had a slow start, but that's because I think from what the history is there, the bar is incredibly high because of how good we know he can be. He's, he's still playing better than what a lot of guys are in the league, and that's not to take anything away. But this payoff that you're seeing now for the tandem of Matt Boldy and Kirill Kaprizov, I know in the commercial you have the tandem bike with Zuccarello yeah. and Kirill, but hey, believe it or not, they can each have their separate bike. And now that that pedaling is being done with Matt Boldy. And you're seeing, I mean, just immediate payoff. Um, and like you said, it it's going to get stale. It's like, a, it's like a loaf of bread. Eventually, you're going to have to go and probably get something new from the store. Maybe you'll get whole grain. Maybe you'll get uh, wheat. You'll get rye Ooh, bread. Like, doesn't matter. Oh, like whole grain. Right? Yeah. Some butter uh, again, on that, too. A little butter, a little butter. Oh, Ooh. A little peanut butter on top. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you're, you're going to have to switch up the bread eventually. But yep. right now, cla- <laughs> this classic uh, Wonder Bread white bread, it's it's working. It's working. The sandwich is coming together. And that's uh, kind of what you have to make your sandwiches out of for the time being until that bread goes stale. So keep keep this tandem. Uh, Bolding Caprizov on that top line has been a lot of fun to watch, and it's paying off rather quickly. And I, I also love the fact that Boldy got hot. And then they put Kaprizov with him. And so, like, his confidence right now is out of this yeah. world. And it's hard to, to believe that, what, essentially a month ago or less than a month ago, his confidence was completely shot. He yeah. he had one goal, and he was the guy they kept talking about. We've got to find a way to get him going. Mm-hmm. And John Hines has done e- exactly that. Okay, on Kaprizov, so I went to the game last night. And I took the field glasses so I Ooh. could watch him closely. I took the field Ooh. glasses. Now, the press box is a great view, but as you know, it's it's not close. No. So I, I wanted to watch Kaprizov in particular because he's always done so much behind the scenes. Like, he's a, he's a hard guy to watch on TV because you miss a lot of his work. Like, you don't miss his great moves, but you miss the work. Um, and, and, you know, I will always say this. He plays like he's on a fourth line. Works his ass off. Mm-hmm. But then he's got these, you know, He's got these mitts of just gold. And yes. so I'm watching him last night because I'm like, okay, I want to look at him for extended periods of time on shifts and see what he's doing and not doing. Because yes, statistically, he's still been very good. He has 24 points in 27 games. But the flip side is he's a minus five. He's got eight goals, five on the power play. So we're almost to Christmas and he's got three five on fives. That's yeah. not career like. But I also refused, and this might be Polly Anna naive of yours truly, but I also refused to believe that he has like suddenly sort of decided not to work hard. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just not in his makeup. So I watched him very closely. Here's my observation. My observation is this. There is no question that the injury from last year is playing a role. And he's doing more than I thought. And if you watch, so in watching this last night, Number one, he's still skating his ass off, and he's still a very good skater, okay? He's doing a ton of work. There's two things I saw. One I can attribute to the injury when he got folded up like an accordion against the Jets last year directly. One I can't, but I saw it for sure. The one I can attribute is this. His ability, the one thing that I always thought made him a took him from being a star to a superstar. And I used to tell Dex this is he has the ability to puck handle and move in a phone booth. Now, for those of you who are like, what's a phone booth, 
A phone booth was used to be a place that was on the street, kids, where you would go yeah. into and make a phone call because you didn't have a cell phone. And a phone booth was very compact. And the phrase comes from Kuroka Kaprizov could move and, and could stick handle within that small booth. He was that, it was that impressive. I don't see that now. And I don't think that's him. I think it's the injury. I think his ability, he got folded up. And I think his ability, whatever it is, to actually edge, so he can still edge. But what he can't do is he can't edge as close. And what was more impressive was the stick handling that he could do. Like he could literally drop his stick from his chest and move like this age. And it was like, oh, my God, like, how do you like, how are you built that you can do that? Yeah, I don't see that now. I see him passing really well. I see him working hard. And before you comment, the other thing I see that I can't explain is this. And we saw it last night. The hands aren't what they were, and I don't understand that one. He had a couple of chances around the goal where he, because he, and, and just to be very, very clear about this, I think he played well last night. Like he worked his butt off and he did a lot of good things. Um, but he had a few chances where it wasn't typical Kirill. The mitts weren't as silky smooth. And perhaps that's something as well. But I can tell you right now, the one thing that is missing is the ability to operate in tight spaces in which I think he was one of the best in the entire league up until the injury. I've noticed, I've noticed a bit of that too. And like you said, it's tough to watch him on TV because I, that's one of the best parts about being at a hockey game is to watch some of these high skill guys away from the play. That's sometimes that's even more interesting than, you know, no offense, but seeing like, Zach Bogosian, muck it up in the corner. I want to see what Kirill, I want to see what Matt Boldy, what they're doing at the top of the zone, anticipating where the play is going to shift to. Um, And, you know, the elite guys have that knack of being in the right place at the right time. And then when they do get the puck, creating even more time and space for themselves with what you're talking about, being able to uh, stick handle in a phone booth. Yep. When he got folded up, like you said, I mean, and I want to preface, I have no medical history of you know no medical education. Don't I'm let no, that stop I'm, you. Don't let I'm that not stop a doctor, you. but let me let me uh, delve into WebMD for a second here. Yeah. So when you when you have that like when you're folded up unnaturally, your body's going to respond by almost overcorrecting and saying like, all right, now we have to brace for something like this again. So you're going to have that almost tissue. Your body. Once again, not a doctor, but you're going to get like that almost brace of I hear you. it's restricting your movement in internally. So you're it like overcompensates for if it happens again. But if you let that solidify and like, you know, take shape, it restricts it so much to where you can operate in a comfortable realm of movement, but it's yep. not what it once originally was. So yep. I, I'm, I'm with it. From what I understand, this is not like a typical hockey injury. So maybe that's just why it's been such a, a tough sled here, uh, getting him back to 100%. But I'm sure he's working with, a, a limited range to what he usually had been, you know, it, he doesn't have the ability to contort his body in a way. And I'm seeing this when, and this, this is what is, the TV audience can see Yep. when, the, when he's on the back door and you see these wide open chances, whether it's the power player, just they're kind of snapping it around the zone. There's times when the puck doesn't come tape to tape and you're thinking, okay, he's got a wide open net, just put it on net and he misses. Yeah, yep. and you're That's thinking, what oh, about. what, what, like, what, where, yep. why, why, how you? Been? It's because he's not able to adjust his body in a certain way to okay. 
correctly receive and get that shot off in, you know, the, the elite NHL speed that he needs to. Um, so yeah, I, that's, well, that, that would, that explains that's a very what good I'm saying then as part two, but yeah. that, that, but you just explained what I'm saying. Cause I saw that last night. It's like, where's the shot there. And, and just to give, and so he is contorting himself still like few can, but what he did before was probably like a two percentile. Like it was oh. like most players can't do that. And I'll give you an, I'll, I'll give you an example of what, you were saying, and we're seeing it right now from a certain player, and it felt like Coyle had this, and he doesn't as much. And your explanation actually makes perfect sense. Did you see the Connor Bedard goal against the Oilers a couple oh. of nights ago, where he changed? I mean, this is stupid, and and mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is like the kids say, stupid. He changed the angle of his shot at the last second. I mean, I think it was damn near unstoppable. Because he literally, and I again, I, I don't know how a human does this, you know. Like he is literally changing the angle of the shot, and I'm not talking. I'm not talking like oh, a lot of ho- hockey players change the angles. I'm talking at the last second, literally going from here to here. Um, that's what Kirill, I feel like, from a shooting standpoint, had some of that, and that's what to exactly what you just said. And it might come back. Hopefully, it does. But yeah. right now it feels like that's what's missing. And that's why shots that he previously where you were like, how the hell did he do that? He can't do that right now. Yeah. And what, and what you're talking about, it's, it's that like body weight shifting, but also like having the, like your mind saying, okay, I still have to do this. And you're adjusting on the fly to like still create the same fulcrum and get yes. the power off. And the fact that Bedard was able to get that shot off with the same amount of power and, and like Stupid. blistering, it's ridiculous. Kirill was able to do that. He just can't do that now. So either you have to a keep working until like whatever dam is there gets knocked through. And you know, that movement maybe just magically comes back one day and it, you know, it loosens it up and everything's all fine again. And you're breaking away whatever tissue is potentially building up or you like you make shift work around it. You know? You, yeah, you, that's a good point. I, it, I don't know how much you can do that though, because exactly, it was such a special, it's such a special yeah. gift. It's such a special gift. And I mean, he's still a star and he's still playing well. And I'm not, I I just, it's, this is one where I'm not down on him. I just, I'm not, you know, he was a guy you'd watch from the press box and be like, oh my God, how did he do that? And you just don't see as many of those right right now. All right. The next thing, if you're tired of Brock Faber talk, stop listening right now. Because this has become a Brock Faber appreciation podcast, and it will remain that way. He's a rookie. He's incredible. I think that he is a future. If he does not become at some point soon, I don't think it's going to be this season, but at some point soon, if he does not become a Norris Trophy contender, put the award in the garbage. Um, And I know he doesn't score enough points. I don't care. So two things. First of all, Yesterday, the Wild is down Rodine, as we know, and Spurgeon. Spurgeon, day-to-day. All right. Brock Faber. Brock Faber is a rookie. Yes. And by the way, the Kevin Fiala trade is now a steal, and I don't mean for the Kings. It's an unfair trade. It's a steal for the Wild. Brock Faber plays a career-high 30 minutes and 8 seconds last night. He is still, according to the ESPN Wild Stats, I'm looking at, he's still second on the team in time on game per, on, on ice time per game. 
Uh, Brodine is still a 23.59. Favor now 23.42. But here's the incredible thing. So this was John Hines' first OT foray, right? First OT game. So we got to see his three-on-three combinations. And without Spurgeon and Brodine, and I don't blame him one bit, but what I'm about to say amazes me. He allowed Brock Faber to take two shifts. In a five-minute overtime, both lengthy. The second one, Faber got caught out there, fell down, exhausted, and Heinz talked about this post game, and still made a play. I have only one question for you. How does a rookie defenseman look like he has been in this league for six years? And and if that's how good he is right now, I mean, phenomenal skater. He makes he makes his position look easy, which I've always said is the greatest compliment. Because if you watch that and say, of course he's doing that. I could do that. Look at how easy it is. Then you're great. AJ, this kid, is, I could talk about him every podcast. It is unbelievable. And to have played as much in OT last night, to get caught out there. You know, I mean, if that had been our guy Suits, he would have laid down on the ice and Calgary would have scored the winning goal. Forget about it. Forget. Judd, when is it too soon? And maybe we've already passed this point. Maybe it's maybe it's just fine. When is it too soon to start talking about them extending Brock favor almost indefinitely? What g- g- give this guy an well, extension contra- ASAP? When the cap comes up, I'd get him under contract for as long as possible. Yeah, and granted, he still has, you know, ne- he has next season and then it's a RFA in in 25-26 heading into that year. Um, and good news for the wild, that's when the cap hit penalties for Parisian suitors buyout drastically drop. I want to say it's going to be like 1.4 and some change or something like that at that point. Um, but God, he is just amazing. It's, it's crazy to think that you're watching that game last night. 60 minutes of hockey plus some change with overtime. Let's, but just for regulation. Half of the time that they played over it, technically with the extra eight seconds, he was out there. Over half the game, if you're watching, he's out on the ice as a rookie. I know. It's, it's in, and, and, it, and he's not a liability. He's the opposite. He is creating that calming feeling on the blue line. Whether he's exhausted, whether he's got fresh legs, he's making plays. He's smart. He moves the puck well. Like he's, he, it's, in, it's incredible. He is a, like, I, if you would have told me when the Fiala trade was made that this guy was going to be at this level, like this soon, I said, oh, sweet. That, that means, you know, he developed awesome. He's, a, he's 28 when he's doing this type of stuff. 30, 30 minutes on ice. Uh, we're talking about him in this way. No, he's a rookie. It qu- that quick of a return. Where's the ceiling? Because the, the floor right now is, is pretty darn high. Where is the ceiling for this guy if he that's, if he's going to keep growing as a defenseman? Yeah, and and that's what I'm saying is the skating is so smooth. He got um, it was either the third period or OT last night. He lost the puck and it was brief, but it could have been bad. And he literally just recovered, took the puck back. It was as if nothing happened. Nothing to see here. There and is the no skate, like like yeah. what's smoother, the puck handling or the skating? <laughs> I'd say it's he, the skating. I'd say the skating is his greatest asset. I would maybe even argue it's like his mental game because in that instance, there is no like in his, you know, in his uh, frontal cortex or whatever brain term it is, 
there's no people running around with flames and fire. There's no break glass in case of emergency. It's, we're going to solve this immediately, me doing it myself. If he turns the puck over, he's going to figure out a way to make it right, get in the right position, or just take right. it back. Like you said, he's so calm out there. His his BPM, the entire game, much, must just sit level. Like, I don't see him, like, ever panicking or fretting out there. And that's yep. going to do wonders for John Hines, where you just, hey, go out there. Just do your thing, man. I'll worry about Dakota uh, Mermis, or I'll worry about uh, Bogosian or Johnny Merrill. I'll take care of those guys. You just go out there, you keep doing your thing, and we're going to roll. And Hines stuck him on power play one with Spurgeon out last night. Now, now he did he did have the puck on the Blake Coleman goal. The puck went off his skate and in, but, I mean, that's just a fluky thing. Yeah. But, I mean, the time on ice, okay? Six defense been played last night. Merrill, 13-37. Middleton, who was paired with Brock, 26-02. That's a lot. Dakota Mermis, who I actually like, 1604. Bogosian, 1813. Alex Goligoski, 1517. And I'll go back to it again. Brock Brock Faber, 3008. 3008. Those are though, you know, that's what Suter demanded. And Faber, you want to give it to him. I just I I'm sorry. I can't talk about his play enough. I think watching watching guys like this on a consistent basis is so much fun. And Brock Faber, well, two things. And he's not going, I understand he's not going to win it, but right now he should be in the Calder conversation. Like if you watch hockey, he should be in the conversation. And I know Rossi's scoring more goals, and I, I think Marco Rossi's a great story and he's playing well. But Brock Faber is your, in my opinion, Calder Trophy candidate from this team. And he is a future Norris Trophy, serious Norris Trophy candidate. He's that good. You know, I've always said Brodeen's the smoothest defenseman I've seen. Faber might be smoother. It's 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 going to be a tough conversation about that. Like a year from now, once it, he really starts to like blossom and develop, I know we, we're seeing the return here immediately. But it's just so smooth the way he handles the puck, the way he moves up the ice. It's like even his outlet passes, he just makes look easy. Like he just you blink and it's on the guy's tape. It's not. He knows exactly where to put it. He anticipates yep. the play well. And yep. his pinching at the at the blue line, like you might think, okay, that's risky for another guy. He his he takes like two strides and they look very calm. He gets to the spot. He makes the play. And if he this goes back to him like not having to break glass for emergency, if he gets beat, he's you blink again, he's back in position between the goaltender and the oncoming attacker. So it's mm-hmm. It's just his his mental game for me is the most impressive at this stage because going from I've heard too many guys say going from NCAA hockey to the NHL it's such a jump like the game gets that much faster you're playing the best players in the world on a nightly basis mm-hmm. and he has seemingly done it overnight and we saw this starting in the playoffs last year I know which which would yeah which was a tip off but yeah the greatest compliment I can probably pay to to Brock. Faber right now is this when he does screw up I remember it because he screwed yeah. because he screwed and, and I mean he's playing a ton so um last player note Philip Gustafson under Dean Evison was two six and two with an 881 save percentage since John Hines took over he is five and one and we can talk about 
goalie wins or losses don't mean a thing. I get that. But he's five and one playing the majority of the time. Save percentage has skyrocketed to 950, made 35 saves last night. Um, what's your theory here? And I will say this. Gustafson got off to a bad start a year ago and then got hot around the same time. Uh, clearly, John Hines didn't come come in and say, stop the puck because you weren't before. And then he said, oh, OK, thanks a lot. That's great advice. Um, but what's your working theory of the turnaround here? And how much do, do you think it flat out has to do uh, to a certain degree with the play in front of him just being more sound? I th- I think that is a, a key factor in it, like. The fact that they've turned it up a little bit offensively and he knows, OK, I don't have to stop every single puck like if one gets through two gets through like we saw last night you're going to have the goals to maybe back it up and force an overtime and give yourself a chance to win but i you know it's it's maybe the the guilt factor of like okay dean was dean gets let go you move on and hey you know i've been playing bad we've been losing games maybe that's on me is you know it, it the goalie position is so mental that maybe yeah. that hit him worse than like a, if he was a winger up top, not being able to score as often. So um, that type of turnaround, and it, it's interesting because, like we saw last night, they're doing it without Jared uh, Spurgeon or Jonas Brodeen. And, yeah. you know, we know Spurgeon's day-to-day, so that's uh, a fairly new removal. But just the the mental aspect of him, same thing with Boldy. Maybe it's just there was a little confidence there where you get that first win to start the season. You quickly get down uh, kind of on the low road and cloud, clouds roll in, gray skies, thunderstorms, and uh, maybe it just took a win here, a shutout against a uh, not great Seattle team, offensively, I should say. And, God, he's back. The, the stat last night, 35 stops. Mm-hmm. He had a 2.34 saved goals saved above expected. Like, he was bailing out the Wild last night, and that's not yep. the type of saves that the Wild were getting from him early in the season. No. It, it was, I don't know what it is. He, is he just seeing the puck? Did he get LASIK and we just don't know about it? Like, what, what is happening? Um, I think the defense in front of him is better. I yes, think that's, I, that's, I think that's true. But, but you're right about the saves. Like, like, those saves aren't a fluke. He's making no. saves he just wasn't making. And it is interesting that it took him about until this time a year ago to get the jump start as well. Um, so he might just be a guy who who starts slow, in in which case, if that's the uh, truth, Jesper Wallstedt bet better be prepared to play in October a lot next season uh, because <laughs> he'll be up here by then. But all right, that's the last player note. Um, before we go, I do want to talk about the uh, story that was developing. I uh, started with the assistant GM, Chris O'Hearn, leaving under mysterious circumstances, which is actually a big deal, a couple of days ago. Uh, I'm going to read you this from Michael Russo of The Athletic. This is a story that is uh, on their website today. I think it was published right around the time the puck dropped last night. Bill Guerin, the Wilds president of hockey operations and GM, has been the focus of an investigation following a human resources complaint by an employee who alleged verbal abuse in the workplace. Five team and league sources have confirmed to The Athletic. The alleged incident that led to the investigation occurred in late November and was reported to the team's HR department, which commissioned an outside law firm to investigate. Two attorneys came to St. Paul. I'm sure they were paid well. That's uh, that's my thoughts, not the athletics. And interviewed more than 15 members of the organization. Two team sources indicate the investigation into Garen's alleged behavior was complete and the findings were delivered to upper management and ownership early this week. 
Wild management determined that Garen had not committed a fireable offense, team sources said on Wednesday. And then late in the, the story, uh, Russo reveals that the person who filed the complaint, Andrew Height, the Wild's director of team operations and player relations, who has been in that position for 10 years and actually I think was uh, on the Twins PR staff before that. All right. So there's a lot we don't know here. Yeah. And, and, it's definitely it's weird because they're and look there's some bad stuff in, in this sport. I mean the Blackhawks are the poster child for that. There is some bad stuff here. I've always found it, but I find it intriguing because I don't know age that hockey culture, especially with guys like Garen who played back in the day, and the 2023 slash 24 HR dynamics of life actually mesh. Hockey players can be the nicest guys culture's weird there's some disturbing stuff and there's definitely how can i say this some admonishment that goes on that wouldn't be accepted in a nine to five i don't know enough to comment on exactly what's going on here uh but i will say this and it's sort of the unexplained tentacle here but chris o'hearn the assistant gm who left under mysterious circumstances and it's very unclear why he left and it's very unclear who pulled the plug, if he did or the team did. He was their salary cap guy. And he was their guy that kept them in compliance. And because the Wild is so up against it, this is a day daily thing. Like you're literally calling guys up at a certain time to manipulate the cap. You're putting, you don't put Brodeen on LTIR immediately, not because you think he's coming back soon. You do it to manipulate the cap. So this loss to me is very interesting. I don't know. Garrett's front office really is not that big. Like there's not a lot of soldiers around him. So I'm very curious to see how, how this shakes out. I'm also curious to see from Garrett's standpoint, and I like Bill personally, but I'm curious where this goes um, because it seems like when you have a situation like this, sometimes it's not the first or last one. So if you're asking me, uh, you know, on a scale of one to 10, what's my cause for trepidation and concern? I'm not dismissing this thing. I'm saying it's a six or seven uh, because once you go down a slippery slope like this, first of all, more might come out. And second of all, you have to, you do have to have an environment in which people want to and are comfortable working. And we have to get that in 2024, the environment that some people think is comfortable, other people who can be very important don't. And, and you know, the prime example, and I have no idea about like if there was abuse here verbally, I'm not saying that there was, but look at the culture change with O'Connell from Zimmer with the Vikings, right? Like Kevin O'Connell's a good guy and he's worked and, and now he's a competitor and, I, and he can drop an F-bomb with the best of them too. But I also think he's worked very hard and the Vikings have to establish a very modern day culture. The wild have to be careful. And I don't want them to have to walk on eggshells, but I also want them to be cognizant of the fact that you want people to work for you. Yeah. And I, I think that you're spot on with the, how well does like today's landscape of social interaction mesh with the behind the scenes, maybe what a lot of casual people or just fans in general don't see in the hockey world there's i mean if you go back and watch any like mic'd up which is honestly pretty crazy that this is out there but that like mic'd up 
uh, NHL players talking on the ice to one another, like pre even 2000, some of the stuff they're saying is insane. Like compared to like if that you mean the Trachier Bellows Kevin Stevens thing on YouTube? (laughs) Yeah, there's 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 some. Oh my god, yeah. Because it seems like you know once a season now you have something that comes up where there is an exchange on the ice and you know we get the lip reading experts from across the country. They oh they said this they said this oh actually no and this is how it should be interpreted. Um, I I'm like I'm in the same boat as you were, I'm expecting more to develop from this just because it's the curtain. Once you start pulling it back, right. You're going to see a little more and a little more. And the, it would be great news if whatever this is, it gets looked at and you know, that's, that is kind of what it is, but it seems like it's always an iceberg of there's something else under the water. Um, how bad it could be allegedly is, you know, a conversation for another day once that stuff does sort of develop if it does. But um, yeah, it's, it, it kind of is like that, that old school hockey meets new school PR and just social interaction. You're walking that tightrope very casually. And so you almost have to just tighten it up. I don't know what there is. And there's really still not a lot of information on this, which right, is that's exactly that's the right. frustrating part is to have a conversation about it. There's a lot of what ifs and maybe there is, and we don't knows, but right. Um, until we have more information, there's not really an in-depth talk that we can have, unfortunately. And, and look, I mean, ju- just to be upfront, this is not a show of choir boys, you know, no. like, like this is not. And, and so I, I get, I get Garen and I get where he comes from as far as his playing days go. And I, you know, the eighties into the nineties were a very different time, a very different time. Yeah. But I think the most important thing too, is you have to have a culture and a work environment in which people are comfortable. Um, and I'm not saying you don't drop F bombs. I am saying that you want people to work for you. And, and Chris O'Hearn leaving for instance, is not like that hurts. Like he was, he was clearly good at what he did. And so, you know, I feel like the, like part of this case is probably done as far as the investigation goes, but I'm with you. I don't know that we're, I don't know that this thing's done, done yet. And that's going to, that's going to become a very important part of where this, uh, this franchise goes going forward. All right. Age, great stuff. Appreciate the time. Fantastic analysis of things Uh, back soon with another Judd's hockey show. Thanks for watching.